Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Testing, testing, check, check, check. Hello there, this is funny lady Judith Lucy. Hi, this is Joel Creasy. Hey, this is Fiona O'Loughlin. Hi guys, McLaughlin here, that would be of the Craig variety. Hi, this is Shana Blaze. Hello, this is Tom Ballard. Hi, this is Melissa Cap. G'day, this is Scamo, Scott Morrison. Hi, this is Reese Nicholson. Hi, Gina Liano from the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Hi, this is Reese Mastin. Hi, this is JC Fox. This is Kathy Griffin. Hey, this is Todd McCollum. Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic. Hello everybody, it's Omar Rudberg, and you're listening to the Troy Murphy Show. Troy Murphy laughing at me in the other studio. Oh, he's dancing to my radio vet. Hello, Troy. The last couple of shows I've listened to the Troy Murphy show, I've nearly had a couple of accidents because my eyes have been watering with laughter so much. Is it me? Am I the problem? Surely I can't be the only one that thinks that the world is going bananas. With doctors last summer claiming the term morbidly obese to be ditched. Look, I understand morbidly obese is not a glamorous term, but unlike the morbidly obese lifestyle, one should not have to sugarcoat everything to explain that it's problematic. He's ready for his close-up. It's the Troy Murphy Show. Ladies, gentlemen, them, they and all, welcome to the Troy Murphy Show. I'm, of course, your host, Troy Murphy, and this, as the name suggests, is... The Troy Murphy Show. Big thank you to BJ and Grossy and Gossip Girl for another entertaining several hours now of Bumper to Bumper. Huge show for you tonight as the Thursday night entertainment continues. Oh, it is so... There, there's so much going on. I've got to be quick with this introduction because tonight on the show we have the team from the Engadine Rural Fire Service in. Well, they're going to be on the phone to tell us how best to prepare for the upcoming bushfire season here in the Shire. We'll also talk the latest development with Labor's misinformation bill. It's disastrous. We've got the fun stuff at the back, the quick quiz. We'll also take a look at what we've been searching on Google this year. Mm. And we'll take a look at a new study out of the UK that proves once and for all that UK men are gross. All that and so much more here on the Troy Murphy Show tonight. And with that, let's dive headfirst into this week's show without any safety gear on, of course, because that's how we do things here on TTMS responsibly, with the intent to have fun, to entertain, and share my opinions of the news of the day. Don't try this at home. Here on the Troy Murphy Show, we love our community and we love connecting with the amazing organisations across our 
glorious community that make our Shire the best place in the world to live. Today, I'm joined by some local volunteers from the Engadine Rural Fire Brigade, who are here not only to chat about what they do for our community, but also as a bit of a community service announcement, share their advice on how best to prepare for the hot summer ahead. G'day, Mark aka Mr. Sparky and Kate from the Engadine <laughs> Rural Fire Brigade. Welcome to the show, my friends. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having us, Troy. Oh, you are more than welcome. Thank you so much for making the time to, to join us today. I thought first up, let's find out a little bit more about the Engadine Rural Fire Brigade. Now, you, you're tucked out there in Engadine in a in a beautiful part of the suburb overlooking the National Park. What's it like to turn up to uh, to work every day uh, at, at, at your uh, your station? Yeah, Troy, look, it, it is a wonderful location. You're absolutely right. Uh, as we're driving in, we are usually greeted with kids um, having fun in the park and, and they quite often like it when they see the front gate roll up and they see a couple of fire trucks there. So, yeah. Quite often on a Sunday morning, you'll end up seeing the trucks with their lights flashing for the kids just for that little bit more excitement. So, yeah, it's definitely a great uh, location, that's for sure. Definitely looking out in the westerly face. So we do, you know, at times we can look out across there to, to look for smoke sightings and things like that as well. So, yeah, great location, that's for sure. And how many volunteers do you have uh, within the brigade? Uh, off the top of my head, I believe it's around 55 active members. 55? Um, yes. And of that, we have quite a large number of females in there, which is fabulous. Well, that is good. We we like that. And and I do, from what I've, I understand, you've, you've you're ticking a few boxes when it comes to female representation within <laughs> the the volunteer group. What, um, can you tell us a bit more about that, Kate? Yes, sure. So we've got Susie is the first recorded uh, dri female driver in our brigade's history. And I believe she's one of a small handful of female drivers within the, the Sutherland Shire District as well. On top of that, we've also got the first female captain in our brigade's history. And I also believe that that is there is a very small number of female captains within our area. And I, I suspect it's something like three. So Deb is one of the first and I'm definitely one of the younger ones, I would believe. Being all volunteers, I could imagine working as part of a, a fire brigade, there's a lot of work involved. How many hours do you guys clock up? Well, so we recently did a bit of a total just for this year so far and total up until I believe it was done at the beginning of November was 6,431 hours, which averages out to be about 100 hours per member. It's a lot of hours that our, our volunteers put in there for our local community. And I, I want to get to all the hazard reduction and, and bushfire survival tips in a minute. But before I do, you know, I, I, there's no crystal ball that you can look in and predict the future. But what sort of season are you guys expecting this summer? Yeah, it's a great question, Troy. Um, it's it's not looking the best, um, to be honest with you. All the, all the modelling um, certainly looks for an elevated season from a fire activity point of view. So it's quite important that obviously as part of this discussion that we try to empower our wisdom onto the others listening and provide what we can to help help them help us and obviously yeah to keep everyone as safe as possible. We're not looking towards a uh, something as horrific as we did uh, 
I was gonna, I'm just going to say a few years back, but it's probably a couple of decades back now. So it feels like a few decades ago, but it was only three, being the 2019-2020 season, which is what we obviously saw was absolutely chaotic. There was fires just absolutely everywhere. I think uh, during that season, I think the, the water itself was catching fire. So it was just, it was a crazy season. From what we understand, the modelling is not to that extent at all, but certainly still an elevated one above. So we do have the El Nino, it's in the positive. That's certainly one of those one factors that goes into modelling. Well, let's, all right, so we, we know it, it, there's potential that we might have a, a difficult season ahead of us. How should people across the Shire prepare? What are some of the essential elements uh, to include in a, in a good bushfire survival plan for families across the Sutherland Shire? So what we would suggest first and foremost is always keep an eye on the RFS website. The RFS website is www.rfs.com newsouthwales.gov.au for any of the information that we talk about today. So I will refer to, we'll both refer to that several times. Um, it's definitely a good starting point for anything. There's a lot of information on there. So in terms of a bushfire survival plan, you can go to a direct landing page, which is www.myfireplan.com.au and that will take you through to a page where you can create your own fire plan, which are we thoroughly recommend for people to do. Um, in order to do this, there's generally four steps that the RFS recommends that you take on board to be ready for a bushfire. The first one would be discuss what you would do if a bushfire threatened your home. Have a chat with your family, have a chat with the kids, do it something relaxed over a dinner, so on and so forth, so you can work out what you would do. Will you stay? Will you leave? At what point will you leave? Where will you go? What will you take with you? All of that information is really important and to have that written down somewhere or saved in your phone, it's certainly going to help you. The second point is how to prepare your home and get it ready for the bushfire season. So things like trimming over overhanging trees and shrubs, mowing grass, removing cuttings, removing material that could burn, things even such as a doormat, debris, tins of paint, so on and so forth, anything that may catch on fire and ultimately you may lose your home if you do not move these materials. Um, also, you need to clear and remove debris and leaves from your gutters. That's a really important one. Um, and then prepare, make sure you've got a sturdy hose or multiple hoses that will reach around your entire home. That's something that people I don't always think they, they take into consideration. So you need to have something that will reach the entire length of your house. So you need to be able to say you've got a hose at the front You've got to have one that reaches a fair way around and the one at the back needs to be able to reach just as far. You also need to know your bushfire alert levels. Now, there's been a lot of information we've been putting on our Facebook page and there's a lot of information on TV at the moment about the changed bushfire levels and the fire danger levels because they were changed, I believe, about 18 months ago. So make sure you're aware of that. If in doubt, go back to our Facebook page. I put things up there regularly. So the bushfire alert levels, they start at advice. Then they go to watch and act, which is a heightened level of threat. The conditions are changing and you need to start taking action to protect and your home and your family. When it gets to emergency warning level, this is the highest level of bushfire alert. At that point, you may be in danger, you need to take action immediately and any delay may put your life at risk. So they're the three bushfire alert levels that you need to be aware of. In terms of the bushfire ratings, that's a different thing altogether. So you will know at the beginning of the day what the fire danger rating is. So for example, we would put something up today 
to let you know that we're having an extreme fire danger day and it's a complete fire ban for the day. So they have now been minimised down to moderate, high, extreme and catastrophic, whereas before I believe there was five and people used to get a little confused by simplifying it down to just the four levels. That's the best way to keep it simple for the community so you know what you need to do. You also need to keep up to date. The fourth point is keep up to date with the bushfire information, the websites, the apps and all the information that is available to you. In an emergency, you would call triple zero. For the bushfire information line, there's 1800 New South Wales RFS. That's a great number to call. Again, I'm referring back to the RFS website, which is rfs.newsouthwales.gov.au. And then the fire danger ratings is the rfs.newsouthwales.gov.au forward slash FDR. Again, download the Five Near Me app. It's a free app. Get it on your phone. You can set up your boundaries. It will give you alerts when there are fires in your watch zone. Also, your local emergency radio. ABC, Emergency Broadcaster Frequency, TV and newspapers. And again, keep an eye out on Facebook. We can't always do it, but especially if we're being called out to different emergencies. But I believe most brigades and the RFS generally try to keep updates on all of that. Lots of information there. I'm very sorry. That was a lot to give you. But if in doubt, refer back to the RFS website for sure and make sure that you continually update your fire plan. It's great to have one, but if you don't update it for a number of years, you need to keep these things updated and get your kids involved. My children have always had their own fire plan. They've had one, they've written their own list, what they want to take, and they have that. So during the fire season, they always had their list out. They knew what they would take. And on the, the extreme days, I would always say to them, do you know where all of your things are? Are you ready to go? And have your list and have your information and all your documents ready at the front door in case you need to go. Now, let's talk about bushfire season. Traditionally, when does it start and when does it end? So depending on the exact districts, um, if you're just focusing on Sutherland itself, um, it is October to March, generally, is our fire danger period. It's obviously depending on those winter months as well. Uh, we have seen some quite dry winters of late, not as much rain falling as what we would have liked. So that, that can differ. So there are times when they might pull that fire season forward into September. But ultimately speaking, just because we have a fire season in inverted commas doesn't mean we haven't seen fires in the middle of winter, which are still quite ferocious at times. On, on top of what Kate was saying, it, it does it does go back to that bushfire survival plan as well. Like if you've mapped out on a piece of paper as well as in your brain what you're going to do in any given circumstance, that will certainly help with that mental preparation because you know you've got the plan there. Yes, you can have that disaster brain, which can pause you, but if you've already done some of that training, you'll be able to get yourself back into, hopefully back in the outside of that disaster brain and start doing what you need to do, what you plan to do, what streets you're going to take to get out of that particular area where you are. It's quite, I think it's quite important to recognise that the type of topography where we live in the Southern Shire, it's very bushy, lots of hills and gullies, and we are living on top of those those um, gullies. So. Fires can move extremely quickly in these circumstances, so we need to make sure that we don't delay and that we get out or we do what we need to do as soon as possible. Well, let's let's continue talking about that, Sparky. Uh, what, what specific areas across the, the Shire, uh, for a lack of a better term, are hot spots potentially for, for bushfires or more dangerous? Um, so certainly, obviously, where there is more concentration of bush. Um, so 
generally speaking, we're sort of on the on the western side of the Shire is probably some of the more heightened areas because uh, we do have that bush interface that comes from the west. Um, everyone might have remembered from a few months ago where there was a massive uh, hazard reduction burn within the army barracks. Mm. That was one of the biggest ones I think we have seen for some time, if not mm. forever. It's it's generally those westerly impacting fires are the more ferocious ones because they've got a lot of that bushland between between us and, and where we are on the other side of the fire range. So it's it's generally there, but just because there's a lot of bush there doesn't necessarily mean that that's where the most ferocious stuff's going to be. We do find at times when we are doing some hazard reductions in small pockets of bush that we have our, some of our lovely residents will dispose of certain items in there, but they're not <laughs> too expensive to dispose of properly. So. You might see Ty and sitting there burning. We've even had some old discarded um, gas cylinders from barbecues. Mm. And um, when you don't see them and, and you're standing close to them because they're covered in a whole bunch of other grass clippings and all the rest of it, and they go bang next to you, it's not, it's not a pleasant mm. feeling to be standing there. So we do urge, please make sure you dispose of all your materials properly and don't just dump them on the side of the road or out the backyard um, behind the fence because it certainly makes our job much harder to save your property. Yeah. And much more dangerous too. Now, as a community, how can we work together to better prepare and respond to bushfires? We've spoken individually and, and families as well, but what about a community? How can we get together as a community to better prepare for bushfires? One, one thing that we are extremely grateful for is that we do live in a great community here within Agadeen, and I'm pretty sure that our other brigades will say the same thing with communities that they are involved in as well. Um, we bond extremely well in times of stress and, and community need. Uh, we, we've seen that some of the times previously, and it's, it's that great community spirit that we like to see. So, knowing where your local uh, evacuation point is, you know, it's generally one of the large parks around. You should actually see a little green sign there saying evacuation area, evacuation point to that extent. Um, or it might be a local club, you know, bowling club or RSL. It's, um, and it's also a great place as well, but if, you, if you're not sure, at least you know you're going to be in a safe location there as well. They will generally have backup power supplies as well, something to that. So quite often in, in some of these larger scale fires, you might lose power, you might lose water pressure, you could, anything can happen. So making sure that you're not reliant on just your phone, because we all know that we love our phone and we love Facebook. <laughs> But we need to make sure that, that should that disappear from you, it's a vital tool that you need to be able to make sure to know when to leave, to know what to do at the right time. So if you can see things happening, you know, it's it's best to make sure that you and your family are safe and going to a safe place more so than staying behind to either get the best Instagram photo or video uh -huh. um, because it's no good if the phone's being burnt next to you because you haven't gotten out early enough. I hope that is not happening. <laughs> oh, dear. Be surprised. <laughs> not much surprises me any anymore. But <laughs> let's talk about your volunteering and 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 how can individuals get involved with you there at the Engadine Rural Fire Brigade, uh, either as volunteers or even do training programs. How do people get involved? Um, yeah, look, there's a few different options that you can take. Again, I love the RFS website. You can go to there. There's a tab there purely dedicated to volunteering. 
um, or you can always come up and see us um, at the station and have a look and, and see if you'll fit in with the crowd up here. We have wonderful people up here as well. Yeah. And um, it's going to come up. We're generally open every Sunday morning from sort of 8.30, 9 o'clock onwards. Uh, we, we might not be here all the time during the day because we might be out training at different locations around the Shire or even even further abreast. And um, come and see us. Come say hello. At worst, you've come and met some people that you know are going to be potentially helping you and your families in, in times of need. So whether that's bushfire, whether it's a car accident, floods, all sorts of random things. Um, is it even even once we had the, the train the train disaster down at Waterfall? So it's one of those things that you don't know what that emergency could be that, that you need us for. But mm. um, certainly, we're more than happy to take on more volunteers. And, and worst case scenario, you're going to have some good training underneath the to um, to rely on in these times of need. And we also take on people in different capacities. So we've got people that come in purely on an admin basis. We've got people that come in and purely do catering. We've got some that come in and do a lot of training. Um, but then we've also got those that go out on the fire ground. In, generally, there's something for everybody. If there's something you want to do, if you just want to come up and make sandwiches during um, during a big fire day, by all means, come and join the catering brigade. If you've got technical skills and you're available to do some admin type of things, we'll happily take you on board. And then again, find your job. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to ask, how long have you guys been volunteering at Engadine Four? So I've been my, my husband and myself have been here for seven years. He was coming over initially to join, um, and I believe I spoke to Sparky the first day I got here. And I was joining to do catering and got talked into doing training. Um, and now, as a result, I am a bushfire fighter as well. She is one of our valued female firefighting <laughs> members. Um, and I've been in the brigade for 23 years now. Wow. Um, I remember quite vividly I was on my way home from a, a boys' trip up to sunny paradise. And um, <laughs> on the way home, I remember driving past um, some bushfire fighting operations on the side of the road and it just tweaked in me immediately that I needed to help these people out. So, yeah, I came up to the station that Sunday and joined up and the rest is history. Not all heroes wear capes. Both of you are heroes. That's right. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> what, what's the greatest thing about being a fiery, both of you? Kate, I'll start with you. Oh, go, don't go to me first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sparky, um, I'll go to you I'm, first. I think it's it's the friendships that you make. Um, if, if it wasn't for the likes of this brigade here, we, we regard ourselves as a different family. We, we are we are the one family. It's just a different family. My family at home. But it's, it's fantastic, the people that you see up here. As I said before, we're the wonderful people. Um, but generally, we are this beautiful family up here. And we, we have each other's backs. There's, yeah. Every time we go out on the truck, we literally have each other's lives on, on our hands, depending on what capacity you're in. And it, it can be daunting, but it's also very rewarding at the time when, when you've not only brought your comrades home with you safe and sound, we've also saved other people's possessions and, and potential lives as well. So it's, it's for me, that's that's the biggest kick up is helping the community out. You are both not only amazing, but inspirational too. Now, before we go, I thought one, one last final bit of advice ahead of bushfire season. Yeah. Emergency kits and supplies. What should people include in an emergency bushfire kit? Okay, so I will refer you back to the website again, but there's actually a tab on getting yourself ready for fire and there's a whole information sheet that you can print off and put on the side of your fridge called the emergency survival kit. 
So things that you would need to have, definitely if you're, whether you're depending if you're going to stay or if you're going to leave, it's entirely up to you, but you need to have things like a portable battery operated radio, waterproof torch, spare batteries, a first aid kit with a manual in case you don't know how to use it, um, candles, waterproof matches, woolen blankets, emergency contact numbers, have that, again, write that down, have that in your emergency kit, waterproof bag for your valuables as well. Before you leave, you should also add at the last minute some cash in case this power is down or we've got no, you've got no way to use your cards or your phone, ATM cards, credit cards, medications, toiletries, sanitary supplies, any special requirements for our infants or our elderly or our injured or disabled that they need to, you need to factor that information in as well. Also your mobile phone and your charger. If you've got a pocket knife, that's always a handy one, the one with a combination setup. Any important documents, valuables and photos. Again, if you can put that in a waterproof bag, that would be great. And a change of clothes for everyone is really handy because you don't take into consideration that you might be gone for quite some time. And definitely grab some drinking water if you can. Usually three litres per person per day. Have that, in, have that handy. So if you can have that all ready to go that makes your life a whole lot easier when you need to get out and if you've got five minutes notice you've got enough time to grab your go kit and don't forget your pet we've all got our fluffy family members and we need to make sure that we take them into consideration as well if you've got a cat or something that needs to be in a pet cage make sure you've got the cage ready to go if you've got a dog, make sure you've got the, the lead and a collar and some type of bowl for them to actually be able to drink water. Invaluable advice. Kate, Sparky, my friends, you are you are the best. I love your work. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people, before we go, where can people find out more about the Engadine Rural Fire Brigade? So we've got our own Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and you look up the Engadine Rural Fire Brigade, we keep that up to date regularly. There's a number of us that are on there that update that all the time. You can send us messages. We put all the information about the um, extreme fire days and catastrophic days on there. So whenever something's coming up, you can find us there. Kate and Sparky, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Happy to chat. Stay tuned. More from the Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. TWSR can help you promote your business with an innovative and inexpensive marketing plan. Our in-house team will help you design a campaign, voice the audio, and give it the professional production values you need. To find out more, call us on 9545 1800 or email info at 2SR.com.au to organise a talk with our experienced marketing team. Hi, it's Kale. Hope you can join me for Friday Night Live every Friday from 7 to 9pm for a mix of pop and indie music, interviews with interesting people and all the music and entertainment news from the Shire, Sydney and beyond. Friday Night Live, 7pm on 2SR 99.7 FM. I'll see you there. Under the CBAA Code 3, General Programming, news, current affairs, documentaries, feature programs and interviews, shall provide access to views not adequately represented by other broadcasting sectors. And that's what you get on The Troy Murphy Show. As we continue with taking a look at the serious news of the week, a topic that we have been covering at length here on the show, and I don't feel as though it is being being covered, sorry, it has been covered to the length it should by mass media, 
or mainstream media because this could be a huge issue for all of us across Australia in regards to our freedom of speech. This all has to do with the Australian government's, the Albanese Labor government's proposed misinformation laws. Now, there have been recent relevations this week regarding these proposed laws, and they have sparked significant concern, especially within myself and this program here on 2SSR. But good to see that others are starting to talk about this. You see, Communications Minister Michelle Rowland, she wrote a letter to the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. This letter has been hidden from Australians. This letter has not been released in any of the documentation thus far in regards to the misinformation bill. This letter was obtained under a freedom of information request by the opposition, the opposition communications, the shadow communications minister. And this letter indicates a substantial shift, potential, I've got to be careful with the words I use here, potential substantial shift in the government, the government's control over online discourse. And that's what is allowed to be posted on social media platforms. According to these documents, the minister, so if this law gets passed under this government, communications minister, Michelle Rowland, would have unprecedented authority to personally order investigations into what she deems as misinformation through the Australian Communications and Media Authority, also known as uh, ACMA. Now, traditionally, traditionally, government bodies such as ACMA, well, they get to run their own game. Ministers traditionally do not get a say in what they do. And this development has raised several red flags more red flags than my last relationship. Firstly, it vests considerable power into the hands of a single political figure, essentially creating a minister for misinformation, which I know that sounds bizarre and something out of Harry Potter, but it will. It will, as opposed to a body that has to uh, such as ACMA that has rules and regulations and processes. No, a minister will be able to step in and tell them what to do and how to do things. Such a position could potentially wield this power to suppress dissenting or unpopular views under the guise of combating misinformation. And this goes against the principle of free speech, a cornerstone of democratic societies, including ours here in Australia. Could you imagine if someone posted something anti-Labour Party and then Michelle Rowland goes, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm going to get ACMA to investigate that. Imagine if we took this audio piece 
that we are presenting today, which is criticising the Albanese Labor government and Michelle Rowland for this letter. We posted it to social media. The minister didn't like it. She wrote to whatever platform I put it to. Sorry, she wrote to ACMA to investigate, to go to Facebook or whoever and, and, and tell them to take it down. That's not the way a democratic society should work, nor should it be how our laws are passed. Moreover, the lack of transparency surrounding these powers is equally troubling. These capacities were not disclosed in the government's public documents about the misinformation bill, suggesting a possible deliberate omission. And I will throw in there possible, I did say it, uh, a possible deliberate omission. There's only one reason why this letter would not be included in the government's public documents about the misinformation bill is because they want to hide it. And this, of course, goes to the communications minister, M Michelle Rowland, and, 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 and her views on how this bill should look, and also to the prime minister as well, because it was a letter addressed to him. Whether he read it or not, well, that's a, a, a question for another day. And I'm sure he would probably, if he has the right media advisors, will say that he didn't see it. This lack of forth, forthrightness undermines public trust and media trust and hints at a possible overreach for governmental control in regulating online content. And we all know what a disaster that was and has been. Remember COVID and what we were told during COVID and what we've learned since then. And a lot of what we've learned since then was called misinformation and disinformation at the time by governments of both sides. And if they want the power to investigate people or media organizations or punish social media platforms for allowing this content on their sites, well, this ain't the democratic society which we belong to. This situation presents a perilous scope. While regulating misinformation is a legitimate concern. No one is denying that. I am not denying that, especially in an era when false information can spread rapidly online. And, you know, we've all experienced it. People tend not to investigate or choose to listen to both sides of the story. Balance is gone. Opinion and feelings rule. And to continue, the method of its regulation of misinformation must always be transparent, balanced, and safeguarded against political misuse. The current approach, as revealed in the documents, seems to lack these necessary checks and balances, potentially threatening the fundamental democratic value of free speech in Australia. And let's not forget, this is new information, new information this week. What was already published, the documents on this misinformation bill that were already published had massive, massive criticism from anyone and everyone who is not in the Labor Party, including, including lawyers, the Human Rights Commission, 
and many others. There is something seriously wrong with this bill and the government behind it who think that this is appropriate. Here's hoping when people like myself and others in the media and you at home on your social media or talking to friends, continue to talk about this and express it for what it is. This is a disaster. And hopefully the government, like they have with immigration levels, finally, maybe in six months time when they decide to listen, do listen and dump this bill fast. Because like I said, this bill potentially threatens the fundamental democratic value of free speech in Australia. Whether you agree or disagree with misinformation online, and I think the majority of sensible people would agree that there needs to be something done about misinformation. But when you've got a government regulating it and then giving themselves extra power so they can, well, personally order investigations into what they deem as misinformation, well, that's dangerous territory. And we all know what that leads to. Hashtag that as a rant over. You are listening to this here, The Troy Murphy Show. Taking a look at the serious news, sharing opinions and having a laugh at the weird news of the week. You're listening to the one and only The Troy Murphy Show on 2SSR 99.7 FM. Let's have some fun, ladies, gentlemen, them, they and all. It's time for the Quick Quiz, our weekly Quick Quiz where I ask a question You have three seconds to correctly guess the answer before it is revealed. Play along at home or wherever you happen to be and let us know how many answers you guessed correct by contacting The Troy Murphy Show, either by Facebook or Instagram, to let us know how many you got correct, of which I will respond with cute little trophy emojis for how many you guessed correct. All right, let's begin. Let's start with question number one. What is the full name of the Egyptian pharaoh sometimes referred to as King Tut? Here's your three seconds to guess. Did you shout out Tutankhamun? If you did, well, good news. You guessed it correct. Moving on to question number two. For all you animal lovers out there, the Sharpay is a breed of what animal? The Sharpay. The correct answer and the only answer we're looking for is dog. A Sharpay is a breed of dog, which takes us to number three. Question number three. Hanging Rock is in which Australian state or territory? Hanging Rock is indeed in Victoria. I wonder if it's safe to have a picnic there nowadays. Moving on, question number four. What TV cartoon character used proton energy pills to give him enormous strength? I'll give you a bit of a hint. It's a very, very old cartoon. What TV cartoon character used proton energy pills to give him enormous strength? The answer after these beeps. 
the correct answer to which TV cartoon character uses proton energy pills to give him enormous strength is... Roger Ramjet! Roger Ramjet and his eagles fighting for our nation. Question number five. Don't sing, Troy. Uh, that's not the question. That's just more of a statement to myself. Question number five. Which... Oh, this one's for our regular listener, uh, Noah. Noah, this one is for you, of which you have to guess correct, Noah. I expect you will know this. I normally don't get personal here in the quick quiz, but I have been pressured to put in a question that would be easy for Noah, and this has to be it, Noah. Are you ready? This one's no one else play. No, I'm just kidding. This one. All right, the question. Which Tom Hanks Christmas movie concerns a train bound for the North Pole? The answer in three seconds time. The answer is The Polar Express, a movie I have not watched only because when I saw the trailer, the the, the, the style of cartoon or CGI was just too creepy for my liking. But it turns out it was a huge hit with the young people. It says a lot about young people. And no, I hope you got that answer correct. That's a quick quiz. Plenty more of The Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. Get in touch. Send an email. Troy.murphy at 2SR.com.au Ladies, gentlemen, them, they and all, thank you for tuning in to this year, The Troy Murphy Show. Now, as we... Well, come to the end of the year. The listicles have started to happen. You know, the ones where people do the end of year review on what was the most popular. Or th- you know, anyway, the lists are coming out. And Google, Google, my good friends at Google, have released their 2023 Australian Google search trends and it has revealed an intriguing mix of topics that range from serious to seemingly trivial which sounds a lot like my program in fact I'm probably contributing a lot (laughs) to uh, Australia's Google search trends when I prepare for my show each week. Now, it, well, it may come as rather surprising that among global events, Australians were highly interested in searching for coronation quiche recipes during the British Royal Coronation and do-it-yourself grimace shakes a uh, McDonald's item that was not available in Australia. I think it was um, a whole big thing in the US from memory and there were the TikTok trends with it and it was a purple shake because Grimace from McDonald's is purple. We can get it down here. I think people down under uh, were a little bit jealous. When it comes to people, people we searched online as Australians, well... 
The rising interest in women, women's football, demonstrated by the high ranking of the Women's World Cup and the Matildas players like Sam Kerr, she topped the most interesting or search for purse Australian on Google this year, which hopefully indicates a significant shift to sports viewership preferences here in Australia. But it was more probably who's this person everyone is talking about uh, in the news, on the radio and in the TV. When it comes to serious and light-hearted queries, there's a bit of a juxtaposition when it comes to serious news events that we were searching for as Australians, like the, uh, the, the Turkey-Syria earthquake, and in lighter searches for movie releases and recipes reveal a very diverse interest of the Australian public. Let's take a very quick look because we don't want to go for too long here with talking about Google. When it comes to Australia's top 2023 search trends, when it comes to news, number one, Optus outrage. Number two, war in Israel and Gaza. Number three, referendum results. Number four, Andrew Tate. And number five, Earthquake Melbourne. Interesting. When it comes to Australians, number one, Sam Kerr. Number two, Mary Fowler. Number three, Michael Clark. Number four, Reese Walsh. And number five, Dan Andrews. Anyway, I don't know why people are searching for him. Uh, when it comes to loss, unfortunately, we lost some great, amazing people here across the, not only our country, but the world this year. Number one, Matthew, Pen Matthew Perry, the Friends actor. Number two, Jock Zonfirolo. I'm not quite sure who he is. I'm sure he was an important person to be at number two. Sinead O'Connor, number three. Tina Turner, number four. And Cal Wilson, number five. Barry Humphreys was in the list at number eight. And Johnny Ruffo, number nine. When it comes to movies, number one, we were searching for Oppenheimer. Number two, Barbie. Number three, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number four, John Wick 4. Number five, Avatar The Way of Water. When it comes to recipes, now I'm not a big recipe searcher, but here we go anyway. Number one, Coronation Quiche Recipe. Number two, The Grimace Shake Recipe. Number three, Coronation Chicken Recipe. Number four, CWA Anzac Biscuit Recipe. And number five, Chicken Honolulu Recipe. Interesting stuff. And when it comes to sport, it's always sport at the end. Number one, Cricket World Cup. Number two, The Ashes. Number three, Women's World Cup. Number four, Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. And number five, the BBL. How'd you go with the uh, the searching? Do your top searches match what the rest of the country is doing? Mine do to a degree. Mm, you are listening to this here, The Troy Murphy Show. Stay tuned. More from The Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. IRT Thomas Holt has been caring for older people for over 50 years. As experts in residential aged care, we specialise in general, respite, dementia and palliative care, providing professional and compassionate care with a personal touch. Visit one of our aged care centres across the Sutherland Shire, meet our friendly, experienced team and discover the modern facilities and welcoming atmosphere of our community. To book a tour or for more information, visit irtthomasholt.org.au. Proud sponsors of 2SSR. Keeping it smooth in the Shire for over 20 years. Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Will Downing. Brand new heavies. 
Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Sunday, 6pm for The Drive Home on FM 99.7. You're listening to The Troy Murphy Show on 2SSR FM. Now let's take a look at what's happening around our Sutherland Shire. Let's do it. Let's find out what's happening around our glorious Sutherland Shire. And with Christmas not too far away, the big, jolly, fat red man is about to hop down your chimney to deliver presents under your Christmas tree. Well, we can only greet him with one thing. Well, several things, milk, cookies, you know, beer, the likes of that, depending on what the parents are into. But we can greet him in song. And the Sutherland Shire has Christmas carols galore available for all of us to go along, enjoy and sing along with. Tomorrow, Friday night, the Engadine Rotary Christmas carols are on from 5pm to 9pm at Boys Town Oval in Engadine. And if that's not your thing, well, on Saturday the 16th of December, there's a few events, so grab your pen and paper, write this down. Southern Cross Baptist Church Carolers will be at the Engadine Town Square from 10am. The St John's Open Air Choir, Loftus Reserve in Loftus from 5.30pm to 7pm and the Carol Singers at 11am at Cronulla Plaza. Also, the Soul Revival Christmas Carols down at Biddy Biddy Giles Park in Kirui. I hope I pronounced that correctly, from 4pm. Then, after that, Saturday, the 23rd of December, the Carol Singers will be back down at Cronulla Plaza from 11am to 4pm. That's a lot of caroling. And Christmas Eve, Sunday, the 24th of December, the Sutherland Uniting Church Carols by Candlelight at Forby Gardens in Sutherland from 8pm to 9.30pm. That is a lot of carols. Of course, if you missed any of that, you can head to the Sutherland Shire government website and uh, check out their What's On page for all the details. That's what's happening around our glorious Sutherland Shire in the lead up to Christmas here on WSR FM 99.7. The Troy Murphy Show. It's an opinion show like no other, only on 2SSR 99.7 FM. Here on The Troy Murphy Show, we love a good survey. But when the survey becomes, well, a little bit disgusting, we love it even more. Check this out. A recent survey has revealed some startling facts about the hygiene habits of British men, particularly in terms of underwear usage. Let me point out some facts and some findings from this survey for your listening or grossed out pleasure. The survey found that 20% of British men wear the same pair of underwear for a full week. This fact alone is quite surprising. And look, let me get this out at the very beginning of this because I am disgusted by this. I'm the type of person who will only wear underwear once. 
I have a collection of underwear that allows me the privilege, and it's probably a privilege, because, <laughs> you know, how expensive can underwear be? There are plenty of places out there where you can buy on sale and buy in bulk that you don't have to wear it every day. Anyway, I digress. I have the privilege where I have an underwear drawer, an entire drawer of underwear that allows me to wear a different pair every day. To the point where I don't have to wash weekly if I didn't want to. There's that much underwear in my drawer. I don't even like wearing the same shirt two days in a row or the same pants two days in a row. I wear it, it goes in the washing basket. Now, before anyone goes, oh, that's because you don't do your own washing. I do my own washing in my own ironing and I do it because I like to be clean. But back to this survey, do you know what's worse than 20% of British men wearing the same underwear for a full week? Well, apart from admitting that they do it, but for a full week, 20% of British men? Well, an even more astonishing 5% of British man, men stretch this out to two weeks. There are 5% of British men wearing their underwear, the same pair of underwear for two weeks long. That entails waking up in the morning, grabbing your underwear, putting it on, taking them off at the end of the day, putting them somewhere, probably on your floor, let's be honest, these guys are grubs. They're probably the type of people to leave their dirty laundry on the floor. And then the next morning, waking up and putting the same pair on for two weeks. Now, for the ladies listening out there, in contrast, 81% of women, <laughs> according to this survey, change their underwear daily, which is a significant difference from the 54% of men who do the same. What, what, what? Only 54% of men change their underwear daily? Compared to 81% of women? That is disgusting. Come on, man. Come on. What are you doing? Why are you doing? What is going on in the minds of these British men who are not changing their underwear daily? Well, according to this survey, they, they've kind of discovered why. The study uncovered a general lack of understanding of washing machine settings with 10% of participants clueless about their function. I wonder if that's their function completely, as in you put it in here, you press a few buttons, you put the, uh, the powder in and it cleans your clothes. And that's what operation manuals are for. I know most men don't read operation manuals, but they're done so simply that you can read it in 30 seconds and know how to turn the thing on. In most cases, most modern day washing machines, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but here in Australia, you know, most modern day washing machines have a on button, select your setting button. And in that case, it's more often, you know, mixed or bedding or whatever the option. And then a start button, or how full you want the thing, you know, have I filled it to the top? Yes, it's a full load. 
than a start button. How hard can it be? Also, the, the study found that approximately a quarter of the respondents don't clean their washing machines uh, sufficiently. Well, that's interesting. You know, most modern day washing machines have a clean tub function. Yeah, again, you press a button, you turn it to clean the tub, press start, cleans it for you. And a sizable 65% of the people surveyed have reported uh, damaged or shrunk clothing in the wash, which is probably why they don't wash their clothes that often. Now, <laughs> this, my friends, is gross. I don't think there's a survey or a study that we've reported on The Troy Murphy Show to date that is as disgusting as this. 20% of British men are wearing the same pair of dirty underwear for an entire week. Now, let's jump online to see what people are saying. Quote, that's just unhygienically lazy. And another, or end quote, another quote, quote, I can't believe people don't understand basic washing machine functions, end quote. And I agree. What is going on, men? This is ridiculous. Now, when it comes to hygiene, wearing the same pair of underwear for extended periods of time can lead to hygiene issues. And imagine the smell. Disgusting. No, no one needs that. Could you imagine being stuck on a packed train or in an elevator and you go, ooh, what's that smell? Chances are, if you're in Britain, it's someone's underwear popping out trying to say, hello, smell me. Of course, there needs to be some education about this. Clearly, the UK government needs to step up and do some educating, or even one of the the uh, the the, the uh, clothing fabric cleaning companies do an advertising campaign on how to wash your underwear. You might sell some better product that way. There needs to be better understanding of laundry practices. And the disparity between men's and women's hygiene habits, well, that's quite notable. And I guess historically is quite accurately. One might say, ladies and gentlemen, them, they and all, that British men are pioneering, or one could say that British men are pioneering a new, in quotation marks here, green approach to laundry, saving water and energy one week at a time by not doing their underwear. Or perhaps they're just trying to set a new world record for endurance in the face of, well, try not to smell. Or maybe they're trying to set a new world record for who can smell the most. Either which way, disgusting survey, but it's making the news and that's why we're covering it here on the Troy Murphy Show. Actually, let's do this. Let's put it, let's talk about this. Jump on the Troy Murphy Show Facebook page. Let us know. How often do you wash your underwear? The Facebook page. Search The Troy Murphy Show. Let us know. 
and it's all over just like that. And that's it. The Troy Murphy Show done and dusted for your Thursday night here on 2SR FM. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the show or want to listen back again, you can do so by listening on demand by heading to the 2SR.com.au website and clicking on The Troy Murphy Show on the live program guide. If you see any local news, want us to follow up on a story or are a community or non for profit organization based in or servicing the Sutherland Shire and want a shout out, email me direct troy.murphy at 2SR.com.au. I'll be back next week from 7 pm for another edition of the Troy Murphy Show. Until next week, my friends, bye for now. 2SR FM 99.7.